sweep it under the rug. That's what we always do, right? You know. Ah, yeah. So I don't have good news for you. So. Right. Uh, so something that's pretty common that everyone can do actually at any time we call it mindful eating. Oh, so okay. yeah, we didn't expect that, right, Daryl? <laughs> yeah, I know mindful drinking lah. I don't know what mindful eating. <laughs> <laughs> Stress, right? There are physical symptoms as well. That's why people go for massages, right? So I always yeah. say a massage is a quick stress reliever. Hello and welcome to the Euphoria by Legally Podcast. In this episode, we have a special guest, host here, Ash and Daryl. Hi, Daryl. Hey, what's up? How's everyone? And our guest for today is a clinical psychologist. Her name is Joanne Leong. She's from the Mind, which is a psychological services and training center. Among the services they provide is uh, stress management and cognitive behavioral therapy. Joanne, welcome to the show. Hi everyone, uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So on the previous episode, right, Daryl? So we talked about our stresses, our personal life, and how it is. Yeah. So we have brought in Joanne today for to give us a bit more of a professional advice. Yeah, right? I guess the previous episode was more of self experiences, and I think something which is not so healthy self diagnosis lah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, to fix our self diagnosis, uh, I think Joanne, uh, you have to help us. <laughs> all right, sure, sure. <laughs> so first of all, right, Joanne, uh, when we started the episode, we said okay, when we were young, you know, we we don't have stress, but then growing up, we are like so stressed. So, is stress more common among the youth compared to any other age groups? Is this a real thing? Right. Actually, indeed, it is. Uh, that stress is actually more common among uh, teenagers compared to adults, and this is actually backed up by uh, a study or actually a survey conducted by APA, which uh, is the American Psychological Association, back in two thousand eighteen. So, what they found was that teenagers actually reported higher levels of stress than adults. And teenagers in general actually reported higher levels of anxiety and depression than all other age groups as well. I see. So when you say teenagers, what what is the age range like? Right. So it's between thirteen and seventeen years of age. I see. So high school time, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Why is it common for for teenagers in school? Aren't they supposed to be carefree? They don't have insurance. They don't have loans. They don't have nothing. Uh, but why are they <laughs> Puber- so stressed? Puberty, man. Puberty. <laughs> Right, so because they're in school, right? So yeah. well, school demands. I mean, we've all been in school. We have uh, exam-related pressures, expectations to perform, and this could be from family. It could also actually be self-imposed. Mm. So I've noticed that some teenagers that I've I've come across, do they have expectations of for themselves to actually achieve good grades, to do well in extracurricular activities, to just so that they can get into a good university. So this could also come from family, could also come from themselves. Could it also come from like comparing to others? Mm. For example, like a lot of a lot of my my friends especially went through stress because they want to look better than the other, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And and half of them were trying to get a girlfriend and boyfriend. And is this is this a real thing? Like you know, does it happen in high school? I I think that's like major stress. <laughs> yeah, definitely, it's possible, and it could come from something like you know low self esteem. So the reason behind. Why you know you want to get a girlfriend, or why you want to get a boyfriend, or why you're striving so hard? It comes from somewhere, and mm. it could possibly come from we call something called core belief about themselves, what they think right. or how they see themselves. Um, and also with your profession as a you know clinical psychologist, how young do your clients get? I actually used to see children, especially during my practicum days. Oh wow! Uh, uh, so, but these were children with uh, learning difficulties, developmental disorders, because well, they can't really do therapies or talk therapy per se. So that's when we engage in like play therapy. So they express themselves through drawing, through art, uh, through toys. 
So, what are like some of the common factors of stress, uh, you know, especially among like the youth, right? Like, so mm. from like 18 to like 35 years old, working adult, going into the working field. Right. So, some common stresses could be negative perceptions about the self. For example, low self-worth, low self-esteem, problems at home, transitioning from maybe school, university to the working world, which mm-hmm. can be pretty scary mm-hmm. uh, for some people, and expectations to perform at work. I see. So, like me and Daryl, we said like I think we use the wrong term lah. So we said there are some things like the big things, and then we said some are the petty things, right? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I did some googling around, and then we find out the right term is actually chronic versus acute stress. Can you just uh, elaborate right. a bit more on that? Yeah. Right. So usually for chronic stress, it's uh, when an individual is in an environment with ongoing stressful conditions, for example, perpetuating problems in their family or peer relationships. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, acute stress is usually associated with episodic life events, like maybe uh, an upcoming exam, a breakup, a loss of a loved one, or any life event that involves some kind of change. This includes acute includes traffic jams and all these kind of ah uh, yes right? yes because Daryl cannot handle that. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the chronic ones are like. Mm-hmm. My mom is like constantly asking when I'm gonna get married. That's like chronic, right? Yes, those are very good examples. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so thinking about that, that's like that's the major big difference. Yes, and then we also know that there are good stress and bad stress as well. How how would you define those things? Right. So usually I don't really define stress in good and bad, uh, but rather I see stress on a continuum, mm-hmm. whereby some stress is good. So the Yerkes and Dodson law actually states that. Uh, performance increases with stress, but only up to a certain point. However, you reach that point, the level of stress becomes too much, and then performance decreases. Right. So imagine the relationship between stress and performance as a bell curve. So this kind of like stress, right? Is it like always a side effect when you're trying to reach a better performance, say working or whatever that you do? Uh, I would say it's uh, associated in terms of when you want to perform well. So mm. you feel more stressed out because hey, I need to perform well. Uh, at the same time, stress can also be something that comes from oh, I didn't perform well enough, so I need to improve my performance. So there is that, like we mentioned earlier, chronic stress. So acute and chronic in that sense. I see. So how does uh, fatigue play a part in developing stress? Because I see like a lot mm-hmm. of people are like working so hard these days. You know, two three jobs, especially the young people. Yeah. Does fatigue contribute anything to stress? Uh, I would say that stress or fatigue actually, it's kind of like a sign from your body that hey, you need to do something. So I would see it as fatigue being a symptom or a sign of stress or something that we've heard of burnout. So yes, burnout. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so burnout is actually a state of emotional, physical, mental exhaustion caused by excessive or prolonged stress. Right. So just to share an example, over the past month or so, my my boss actually she shared a bunch of different symptoms about work work from home burnout. Because apparently it's a thing now, right? So everyone's stuck at home within their same circle, and they go through the same thing over and over and over again, and they they, they experience burnout, right? Despite being stuck at home. But when I read through the symptoms. And I realized that all the symptoms were me, but <laughs> <laughs> but then like sorry I for was, laughing about it, but <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> but I was technically in denial all throughout because I never knew that I was susceptible to burnout or something like this. So the question is like, how do you identify that is when you actually need to do something about it, and that's when you know it's reach a point where you actually need intervention or you need help from someone else mm-hmm. or whatsoever. 
Right, right. So fatigue is actually just one of the many symptoms, right, of stress. So I would actually kind of categorize fatigue under a physical symptom. But there are many other symptoms like emotional symptoms, cognitive symptoms, behavioral symptoms of stress. So if you notice yourself not just feeling fatigued, but let's say you're feeling more irritable recently, easily agitated, or if let's say all your memory is being affected, or you're having difficulty concentrating, you're having sleep issues. So all these factors combined together could tell you something about your stress level. I see. And if, for example, there's a lot of people like me, right? In, in denial, you don't want to do anything about it. You're just stubborn, right? Um, sweep under the rug. That's, sweep that's it under the rug. Mm-hmm. That's what we always do, yeah. right? You mm-hmm. know, yeah. you, you, mm-hmm. have, you have a worry. You just, you know, I can worry about it later. I got better things to worry about. In the long run, what happens to people like me? Uh, yeah, so I don't have good news for you. Uh, so <laughs> Sorry, Daryl. It's hitting you in the face, man. Welcome to reality, son. Uh, so stress can actually... But it's good that you asked this question, though. Because, uh, you know, it sounds like you do want to do something about it, right? So stress can actually develop into more serious mental health conditions like anxiety and depression. Oh. To, to what extent does this happen? Do people die of stress? Is that a real thing? Uh, that, well, I guess there was an article. I think a man in Japan dying of stress, right, for working really extremely long hours. Uh, but I'm not sure if that was purely due to just stress itself. It could be something else, something more physiological, probably not eating, not sleeping, and things like that. Which so, in return causes things like stroke and heart attack. And yes, definitely. definitely affects your health, your physical health. So we, we spoke a lot about stress, and I think the title of this episode is going to be Coping with Stress. And this is like the golden question, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the effective ways that mm. we can cope with stress? So both yeah. like, you know, the, the acute ones and the chronic ones, acute ones like, you know, being getting angry with the car in front of you on the road and, uh, you know, bigger ones are probably like, you know, not getting paid enough and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So I, I would like to get to categorize it into three parts. So the first would definitely be awareness. Oh, you have to know what makes you feel stressed. So you need mm. to know what your stress triggers are. And you also need to be aware and know what your stress symptoms are. Because if you don't know your stress, then you won't do anything about it. And so to address, like you guys mentioned, right, acute and chronic stress, I think for acute stress, that's when we actually engaged in more something we call quick stress relievers to help us feel calm at that point of time. This, this could be like deep breathing, uh, listening to music, exercising, anything to help us feel better at that point of time. So for example, if you are like road raging, right? Like Daryl, mm-hmm. he's in a car, it's traffic jam in Federal mm-hmm. Highway and he's losing his mind. He's stressing the hell out. Should he like start listening to music? Does he do all of that? Is that deep breathing? So I usually tell my clients to do what works best for them. So what is effective? Right in bringing down your stress level. So, so that's it's why subjective. You, yeah. Yes, it is. So find what works best for you. So for example, last time my client used to tell me, oh, I love to color, you know, those coloring books. Yeah, so that you know, helps me relieve my stress and that's so helpful for me. And I was thinking, I told her, I was like, actually, that stresses me out. Just coloring, that activity of coloring stresses me out because I'm thinking, oh, should I use green? Should I use blue? No, no, should I use yellow? No, if I use pink, oh, I use red. I should have used red there. And so that stresses me out. So, right. yeah. so I would say that one person's way of coping could be another person's trigger of stress. Right. So do what works best for you. So for example, Daryl, if you know you like listening to I don't know, a certain kind of music, you know, and that helps bring down or helps calm you down, then go ahead, do that. No, I think like when I when I have rage, I listen to metal music so that I can scream it all out. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's one way, right, Joanne? Like we yeah. just sing out, sing our lungs out. That yeah. always distresses me. I love that. Definitely. I pretend to be Freddie Mercury from time to time. <laughs> I think uh, from the previous episode also, me and Ash we spoke about how uh, we shared a similar sentiment in where you know patience is not our biggest virtue. So you get really riled up when we wait for people to do stuff. You know, when when people are slow and and stuff like that. So. This is considered cute, right? Ah, uh, okay. So I would then put that under chronic. Because, oh, wow. Yeah, oh, I would wow. put under chronic because, you know, anytime in point of life, right, someone might just make you feel angry or frustrated. This can have many or multiple episodes, right? Mm. And this could be, this could cause you chronic stress in some sense where, you know, you're always feeling uh, stressed out at the office because this person is still around. So it's in the environment. So for that, the third way of managing that kind of stress would be to actually develop or cultivate stress-relieving habits for the long run. So I use what habits because oh. habits, something that comes second nature to us. So we just keep on cutting down the triggers, right? So we just mm. avoid the things that make us stress. Mm. But most probably for some of us, the problem is that we are not patient and we have maybe anger issues or whatever it is. Right. So what are some of these kind of habits that prevents us from getting stress? These habits actually, it's, it's very useful because it helps you be less reactive the stress triggers compared mm-hmm. to the quick stress relievers, like we talked about earlier, the, the deep breathing, listening to music. Okay, so uh, one example of a personal habit would be focusing on things within our control or my control rather than focusing on things outside of my control. So to elaborate on that, when we tend to focus on things beyond our control, uh, we tend to feel a sense of helplessness and that can stress us out. So for example, we can't really change the pers- the other person's behavior. Like if you know this person is you know handing things into you late you know and you're feeling frustrated and angry about it we can't really change that so let's focus on what we can do or what i can do in this situation and rather than feeling helpless we then feel more empowered to do something about our situation all right right so solutions right yeah rather than, you can put it that way. just dwelling in it rather than yes. renting right oh, yeah I, I guess so I would like to take a minute here to highlight the importance of getting your news from the right source. For that, we seek your support towards independent journalism. For over two decades, here at Malaysia Kini, we continue to keep the Rakyat informed with news and views that matter. You can subscribe now for as low as drop ringgit per month. Thank you. So, do you think like, you know, like people who focus on this kind of habit, right, they very rarely get stressed because I do see people who have never get stressed. Like, I have a mm. colleague, Aizu, I think you heard on the podcast. He he never gets stressed. He's always calm. So, for mm. me, I look at him, he's like zen, you know. So, is this like a thing? <laughs> zen. Where does that come from? <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. So Zen, if I understand correctly, it's like a state of mind, right? Like you're very calm. So I think there's something similar to it in psychology. We call it mindfulness. Have you guys heard of mindfulness? Yes, very much. So mindfulness usually involves just, you know, being in the present moment, being in the here and now. Because I remember from the previous podcast that you guys had, you guys were talking about, uh, you know, always thinking about the past or about the future. So that's actually something that we want to try and lessen. Because by focusing on the past or focusing on the future, that's actually when you get more anxious when you focus about the future mm. because, hey, there's something that I need to do. Like, and it's exam coming up, a presentation coming up, but I can't do anything about it right now. And when you think about the past, it's like, oh, all the what ifs, I should have, 
you know, all these come back to us and realize that oh, I actually can't do anything about it. So that's why mindfulness reminds us that, hey, let's stay in the present moment and do what we can in the here and now. There are certain exercises actually, right? Uh, so something that's pretty common that everyone can do actually at any time, we call it mindful eating. Mindful, mindful eating. eating. Yes. Oh, so okay. yeah. We didn't expect that, right, Daryl? <laughs> yeah, I know mindful drinking. Like, I don't know what mindful eating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. So I thought you're gonna say something like meditation or something, but then, <laughs> okay, uh, mindful eating. Let yeah. us know what this is. Okay. So if you observe or if you look around, I mean, we can't really eat out now, but well, at home or for your own selves, actually, what do you usually do? when you have your meal or when you're eating, what do you usually focus on? I'm like listening to a podcast or like watching a video or something mm. uh, or talking to a person or something. Daryl, what about you? For me, it's uh, getting lunch or dinner over and done with so that I can move on to something else. <laughs> right. So mindful eating actually just involves you just being very aware of the food or what's going on when you're eating. Basically, what's the texture of the food? What's it taste like? And just being uh, extremely aware of what's going on. So the biting, the chewing, mm. what actions are going on in there. So mindful eating helps you to remain in the present moment. So because if you're thinking about what's going on in your mouth, you know, the taste, the textures, you can't really think about anything else. Uh, like the future, or oh, what do I have to do after this? Or oh, after my meal, I need to, let's say, edit this podcast, for example. So that helps you remain calm in that present mm. moment. And besides mindful eating, there's also something we call grounding using the five senses. So this is actually very helpful for people who tend to feel anxious quite easily. So grounding your five senses, basically using your five senses, you want to look around your environment and it's in the present moment and to help redirect your focus to what's mm. around you mm. rather than what's inside your mind. Because your thoughts could be, you know, about the past, about the future. So tell yourself, ask yourself, what are five things you can see and describe them to yourself, right? Ah, that's a good exercise. So you, you keep yourself in the present. That's like a term that I used to hear because I used to work with drug addicts and people with substance abuse. I think being grounded is one of those really important things for them not to, you know, fly off into mm. the void, <laughs> as you call it, the mental void or whatever right, it is. Right, right. Just, just to put an end to like the cyclic loop of, you know, thinking, 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 mm. thinking. Any, any other exercise you can tell us? So, uh, yeah, hmm. yeah, related to mindfulness. So we have something called body scan. So right now, like for, you know, for example, for myself right now, I'm actually not very aware that my shoulders are tensed up. But if I focus and redirect my focus to my shoulders and, and tense it up and relax, so that's when I realize, okay, my shoulders are really tense. I need to do something about it. I need to relax, tense, relax, and tense. So body scan involves just going through from head to toe, just zooming in. Yeah, I think that's the right word to use. Zooming in on different parts of your body, uh, from your head to your neck to your shoulders, and just be very aware of your bodily sensations. Mm. And that, that helps because uh, stress, right? Uh, as mentioned earlier, there are physical symptoms as well. So, and the mind and body, uh, they go two ways. So, if you are... That's why people go for massages, right? So, I would yeah. say a massage is a quick stress reliever. Ah, right? okay. No, are when, you a when... fan of a massage, Daryl? To pay someone to touch me, no lah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a big fan of massage. I have no problem with massages. <laughs> They're great. What the hell? <laughs> if, if someone gives it for free, I'll take it lah, you know? <laughs> I see. Okay. So, it's not the massage itself. It's paying for massage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think uh, we, we just uh, skipped over the question about uh, how do we gauge the severity of stress. So, so there's one point where we know that, you know, certain stresses we can manage. And at what point do we know that we need a professional's help, for example? Right. So definitely the first step is to know what the symptoms are and then to monitor them. So if you notice the frequency, your, it's, it's being more frequent in terms of these symptoms happening. Or the duration. So let's say, you know, for, for stress symptoms, sometimes, you know, it's, it's a day or two, you know, when you're just feeling very tensed up or just feeling very irritable because of a certain uh, event or trigger. But if this goes on for two weeks or more than two weeks or even longer than that, and these symptoms are there, that's when you know that it's getting more severe. And if there are significant changes, especially in your mood, sleep patterns, appetite, weight changes. So these are significant changes, very obvious changes or very obvious differences with how you were um, maybe back then and now. Are there any clinical definitions of the mm-hmm. severity of stress? Is this like level one, level two, level three? Is, is there something that psychologists or therapists like yourself use mm-hmm. to sort of gauge someone else's severity of stress? So usually as uh, therapists, we actually use something called the DAS. Uh, which stands for uh, Depression, Anxiety, Stress Scale. So there's actually a screening tool to help assess or determine levels of stress. So this could range from uh, normal, mild, moderate to severe. So the DAS is actually a self-report scale, whereby you would then rate yourself uh, on a scale of 0 to 4. And after that, when we total up the score, higher scores would then indicate that you have higher levels of stress, while lower scores would indicate that you have lower levels of stress. I see. So Joanne, uh, at what point do we actually seek professional help? Seek professional help, especially when your symptoms start causing you significant distress and impairment in your daily functioning. So for example, in your areas, for example, of your relationships or at work or uh, at school, where you notice that you're just feeling very distressed uh, and it's causing a lot of impairment, meaning that you cannot really function, that's when uh, you Mm. should start seeking uh, professional help means that when you're trying to do your work, you're like checking, you cannot write anything, you cannot send an email, mm. you cannot reply to your boss's WhatsApp. Right, right. Mm. like you're neglecting responsibilities, you're just procrastinating, um, you know, your manager comes to you and tells you, oh, why have you not, you know, been doing your work and, and things like that. So these yeah. are some signs that, okay, uh, I'm not doing very well. I, I just want to poke one more thing, maybe. Uh, we spoke about mindfulness and in the previous episode, we also spoke a little about meditations and things like this. Do you think meditation is one of those... Uh, things that can bring oh, mindfulness. Is it subjective according to people as well. Yeah, definitely. So meditation is not something easy to do. So I've had clients telling me that oh, meditation doesn't help for me. It's just so difficult. I feel more stressed out just trying to calm myself and just trying to close my eyes and be in the moment. So definitely it's relative. Uh, it's subjective for people. So it might work for some people. It may not work for some people. What is your advice to all the youth listening to the show? I think just be aware of your stress triggers. Be aware of your stress responses and engage in activities and practice skills that would help to build up your resilience. Also, please, please reach out for support, be it family, Mm. friends, or a mental health professional when you're struggling with a problem. Uh, Another thing which uh, I noticed and I can speak from my own experience is like sometimes when when times are tough and, and you face certain adversities wanting to to do things is one but also being open to new experiences and sometimes you know if if you're stubborn like because i was there you know because uh, I, I remember at one point i was like you know i was i was feeling like crap but at the same time i was too skeptical i was too doubtful i was a very i was a very pessimistic person it didn't quite help so i think it at only that point 
where I realized that it could help is the point where I actually open myself to try different experiences, meet new people, open up conversations with people around me as well. My next question would be like for for people like us, you know, people, um, you know, in high school, people who just got out of college, people who are in the quarter life, uh, people who are about to get married, for example, right? We all understand that the notion of mental health help, mental health assistance, uh, is something only that you see in the movies or in TV series, or it's something only for the elite or in urbanites and things like that. Can you debunk that myth? And if so people from the grassroots, right, uh, mm-hmm. from the rural areas, if they're experiencing things like that, and for example, if they're hearing our podcast right now and they feel like, oh, okay, I'm probably uh, that person who needs uh, professional help, how do we go and get help? Right, so very good question. So when I also graduated, I thought that, you know, mental health services are actually pretty pricey. Mm. You know, they're quite costly in hospitals, private hospitals and centres. Uh, however, I, I'm not sure if many people are aware, but there are actually many NGOs out there that actually do provide mental health services for a very minimal amount. These are associations like NMHJ or Souls Health. So these uh, NGOs do have uh, mental health practitioners which can provide psychotherapy services, counselling services for, for anyone. Okay, so we spoke about some of the common factors of stress and then we talk about some of the symptoms, how you become vigilant towards your personal stress severity and what are the, some of the things that you can do to get rid of stress. Joanne, thank you so much for being here. We just want to know if uh, we want to get in touch with you, with the mind. How can we do that? Uh, so yeah, you guys can just get in touch with us via our website. It's uh, www.themind.com.ny. It's such a pleasure having you. It's uh, really nice to have professional inputs on our daily stresses to debunk our not-so-credited <laughs> advice that we gave in the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no problem. It's, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you all for listening to the very end of this podcast. Uh, your support means a lot to us. And subscribe to Euphoria by Malaysia Kini. Thank you. Yes. <laughs>